Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Back in 2007, I had an article published in Chemistry Australia called A Creationist View of the Intelligent Design Debate. And I stated um, the evidence that I uh, saw as strongly uh, pointing to the fact that there is overall evidence for design in nature and creation by an intelligent designer as opposed to evolution's random mutation uh, theory of origins. And a a number of scientists strongly objected to my uh, piece being published claiming that... um, I'd used, you know, made-up arguments or arguments that have been debunked and so forth. And I subsequently contacted uh, one of those scientists that had objected and I said, look, you know, I understand that you have problems with uh, my article. You claim that uh, I am wrong, that, uh, you know, the evidence I've presented is incorrect. I said, where's your evidence that I'm incorrect? And his reply was, well, we don't have the evidence yet, but we will. So at that time, they um, didn't have the evidence that my claims and the evidence that I put up that we have now have overwhelming evidence for intelligent design. Those scientists didn't have the evidence that I was wrong, even though they had claimed that. And as I said, uh, just said, 12 years have passed and now much more evidence has accumulated that evolution never happened and is absolutely impossible. It cannot explain our origin of life on Earth. And just recently, a Yale University professor has uh, come out and uh, renounced his belief in evolution uh, his, uh, and his belief in you know, Darwinian evolution. And he now believes in biblical creation. Now, this uh, professor is actually quite a, uh, a famous um, mathematician and computer programmer. His name is uh, Professor David Hillel Gelerntner, um, and he's a professor of computer science at Yale University. He is uh, also a senior fellow of Jewish thought at the Shalem uh, Center in Jerusalem. He's the uh, chief scientist for Mirror Worlds Technology. So he is quite a, um, a prominent uh, scientist and he says that he was swayed by, the scientific, by scientific evidence into abandoning the materialistic theory of Darwinism. And he uh, points out that um, um, the evidence that uh, changed his mind falls into three actual general categories of science. And he he looked at uh, the claims that um, natural selection and genetic mutations and the fossil record uh, were evidence of um, evolution. And when he examined these, he found that the Evidence just wasn't there to support uh, evolution. 
Matter of fact, he writes, what I have seen in their behaviour, talking about people teaching evolution across um, the um, in, in Western colleges, he writes, and what I have seen in their behaviour intellectually and at colleges across the West is nothing approaching free speech on this topic. It is a bitter, fundamental, angry, outraged rejection of, in effect, what is intelligent design, which comes nowhere near scientific or intellectual discussion. I've seen it happen again and again. And I think what he says there really sums up the situation that we have now with people wanting to uh, impose evolution in our school curriculum, um, censor any evidence for creation, um, such as what I experienced over 12 years ago where these scientists want to close down the evidence that I was putting forth, that biblical creation and the account of biblical creation in the Bible fits the scientific evidence far better than the theory of evolution and long ages. And they want to close me down. Matter of fact, they did at that time. They wrote to the uh, executive of the Royal Australian Chemical Institute and uh, suggested that you know what I had uh, uh, written would be discredited on the institute. And of course, the institute, under that pressure, uh, decided to pull my article from the electronic electronic version of the magazine, although the hard copy was still out. And of course, if any of you listening would like to read up about that account, it's been written up under the uh, title "Chemists in a Stew." If you Google "Chemists in a Stew," and it will probably come up, or my name, John Ashton, uh, you can read the details of that account. But it fits what exactly what this Professor David um, Galertner has um, pointed out, that across colleges there is, and I'll quote him again, there's nothing approaching free speech on this topic. It's a bitter, fundamental, angry, outrage rejection of the evidence for intelligent design, which comes nowhere near scientific or intellectual discussion. And that, and that's what I, again, what I found when I was happy to talk to um, this um, other university uh, lecturer that had objected to my piece. There were a couple of professors and, a, and this uh, particular lecturer um, that had objected and... Well, I'm happy to discuss. If I'm wrong, if the evidence that I'm putting up has been genuinely disproved, I want to know about it. And again, when I uh, spoke to him about it, well, what's the evidence that you have? His reply, well, we don't have the evidence yet, but we will. But in actual fact, as I've just said, the evidence now is overwhelming. It's interesting, though, when uh, you Google David Hillel... Uh, Galertner, and I'll, I'll spell his last name out in case any of you want to do this. It's G-E-L-E-R-N-T-E-R. So if you just uh, Google David uh, Galertner, Yale University, you'll see this uh, topic uh, has come up in his renunciation of uh, evolution and, and so forth. And when you look at when I've uh, looked at some of the websites of the very strong supporters of evolution, 
that have uh, come out, they've been, you know, quite amazed that a person who is regarded as a polymath um, is responsible for some of the major advances in computing uh, that have been developed in recent times. And, you know, they're really surprised that they're saying, well, how can such an intelligent guy, you know, reject evolution? And they claim that um, his reasons, for example, uh, one of his uh, reasons is the, the massive explosion of different types of animals that we see in the fossil record when we go from the Precambrian to the Cambrian. When the Precambrian, there's hardly any fossils. They're very sort of basic uh, you know, the very small little uh, creatures, but again, still highly complex. And then suddenly in the Cambrian, we, we have have these, uh, just the next layer or two of rocks, suddenly we find this massive amount of, of fossils, all different types of fossils, and there's no evolutionary progression for these fossils. And they're all fully developed. They're highly complex, nautiluses, you know, which are highly intelligent animal like octopuses uh, from what we would regard from, um, you know, their structure. And uh, trilobites, this multi-segmented, you know, highly complex animal with complex eyes, complex body parts, reproductive system and so forth. And they're all there. It's... Um, you know, fascinating and that, you know, we have this massive explosion and yet the evolutionists attempt to, you know, explain this, that somehow these mutations were able to, you know, all line up very quickly at that time. Uh, but there's no evidence for that. They, they, they have to believe, uh, the evolutionists have to believe a, a fairy tale. One of the uh, important areas that... Um, Professor um, David Galantner uh, points out is the the mathematics and the probability of the genes arising by chance is just so low. The amount of um, mutations that would be needed to produce a viable protein are very, very large. But secondly, that viable protein has to be one that's significant in the organism and, and can actually make a change that fits in with all the other proteins. And um, if uh, a bacteria needed one more protein, for example, uh, calculations were published back in 2015 that estimated the probability of a simple bacterium evolving with only the very basic essential proteins, the probability was um, in the order of 10 um, or, or a probability was less than 1 in 10 to the power 167,500. You know, so it's, uh, it's a huge, um, you know, just from the mathematics, it's just so improbable that evolution can occur. And these are the things that a mind like David Galanter recognised, amazing uh, mutations and structures of uh, different, uh, in, in different animals. When you look at just the mi uh, pictures under electron microscope of some of these tiny little insect parts, the tiny little insects, you know, that are very small little flies, that sand flies and these sort of in, um, little animals that are so small and yet we look at their parts under the uh, microscope and they're so 
designed for specific functions and they their structures all work so you know specifically the other um, you know aspect of the fossil record which um, you know was one other reason he uh, uh, rejected evolution that he uh, talks about particularly in this uh, Cambrian explosion is again as I, as I just mentioned we have this huge variety of, of, of animals that are formed in this, that are buried there, that have been, you know, obviously exist, but there's no evidence for how, how they evolved. You know, the, the evidence, again, is overwhelming. And Stephen uh, Meyer has uh, published his book, of course, on the, uh, on the Cambrian explosion there and the powerful evidence, again, how this refutes um, the um, evidence that evolution can explain our origin of life. It, it, it's interesting as Yale, of course, is one of the Ivy League uh, universities in the United States. Uh, it's a very prestigious university and has a prestigious position there. And it's interesting if you look at some of the um, websites there, although he hasn't been, you know, he's not completely ostracised by all parties for his change in beliefs, and that um, is perhaps due to his um, prestige, Glenda describes the extreme anger and hostility that evolutionists have, have for anyone who denies their worldview. Um, you know, it's, or it's, uh, one of the commentators writes, the reason rational scientists who supposedly apply nothing but impassioned logic to their work, they transform into fish-shaking, angry people. As Jalenta says, that evolution goes beyond science and simply serves as the basis of their atheistic worldview. Uh, according to... Uh, uh, Galanta, and I'll just quote him now, you take your life in your hands to challenge it intellectually. They will destroy you if you challenge it. And uh, for anyone who wants the uh, reference to that, that's uh, uh, cited in uh, an article by J. Kabani, uh, K-A-B-B-A-N-Y, and it's titled Famed Yale Computer Science Professor Quits believing Darwin's theories. If you Google that, that article will, will come up. And, you know, this is um, essentially what they're saying is that the scientists can't practice science in this area. If you go against Darwinism, it's like a, a military operation against you. Um, and this is really concerning. And this, again, should immediately raise red lights to uh, people that are responsible for education and those of us that are having children or grandchildren uh, being educated, that we now have a belief system being imposed in Western society which is simply a pillar for atheism. It's simply supporting the religion of atheism. And the scientists are supporting their view with a sort of religious fanaticism that is excluding anybody else uh, from challenging that belief. And why? Because they want to 
they, they have to undermine God because I guess God is the existence of God and the overall evidence that we have right in our faces from the fossil record, from the world around us of living organisms that are so complexly designed and their designs serve complex functions and amazing functions that scientists are still uh, studying, you know, today. Uh, Galenta talks about intelligent design as a viable scientific theory capable of replacing Darwinism. Um, it should not be rejected out of hand uh, in a bigoted manner as the evolutionists do. Um, Darwin, um, Galenta points out that design is the most obvious explanation for the complexity of life. And he goes on to say that Darwinism was formulated to explain how seemingly designed organisms assembled themselves by evolution. Unfortunately, intelligent design is, while it is one of the most important intellectual issues of modern time um, and has a real capacity to bring about important changes in how we look at science and really improve scientific research, um, the, the ability for people to be able to learn about intelligent design seems to be you know, a really important matter and something that really should be allowed. You know, evolution can't um, really, given the evidence that we have now, this continual education of um, evolution in our schools really needs to be really needs to be challenged. So what does Galanta believe now instead of Darwinism? Well, based on his rejection of Darwinism, uh, Galanta is now a biblical creationist. It doesn't automatically follow, of course, so that would be, but according to Galanta, he still claims that evolution is a beautiful and brilliant scientific theory uh, because it can explain some of the processes in life. And, of course, you know, natural selection occurs and we, we see that happening. Um, we see, for example, in, um, you know, if uh, animals with long, uh, with short fur are exposed, or the animals that can have both short and long fur are exposed suddenly to very cold climates, the uh, short fur animals don't survive to breed very well and the long uh, fur uh, varieties take over. But this variety there is part of the original intelligent design that was there that is carried in, in the genes. It's not new genetic in, information. He said, uh, Galinda, you know, points out that living organisms show amazing evidence of this intelligent design. So when we uh, again look at uh, why scientists and most of the education system uh, today are teaching um, evolution, it's because the teachers have been taught evolution and their teachers were taught evolution. And so why do most, you know, when you argue why do uh, people argue, well, most scientists believe in evolution? And the reason, if you ask these scientists why they believe in evolution, they will say, well, because most scientists believe in evolution, and that's what they've been taught. It's so important to um, recognise that we have a system now that has been promulgated by education and sanctioned by education 
that is really just powerful evangelism for atheism. And what the, the real alarm bell issue is that when people come out and challenge and say, whoa, hang on, evolution doesn't work. We don't have the evidence for a mechanism. We don't have the evidence in the fossil record. We don't see new types of body parts evolving. We only see, you know, the type of evolution that results from the loss of genetic information, not the gain of new genetic information. We see natural selection as removing genetic codes, losing information. All this evidence that is counter to Darwinian evolution being able to produce the new theory of life, and yet this isn't uh, this evidence isn't being able to be discussed freely. It's not being able to be pointed out to the students. So we have really quite a serious issue. So it's um, it's very significant, and um, I, I think that um, you know someone with the status of um, a Yale University professor uh, who again has been responsible for. Uh, major developments in the area of mathematics and computing, obviously has a brilliant mind and has come out and spoken and recognised that we have a really serious problem here, that the evidence for a creator God who designed everything is just overwhelming. And it's uh, a a very important uh, message that One of the reasons why this isn't getting out in schools is that certain groups within the science who are really hardcore atheists, it would seem, become very bitter and angry and outraged of the possibility that there could be evidence for God and they're very determined to suppress that evidence. Uh, If listeners are uh, interested in reading more on this, um, if you... um, Google uh, creation.com and um, and again just enter in um, David uh, Gelertner. Uh, the articles will come up about him with the references to the different websites or, or just Google his, his name. Uh, there's quite a lot of um, discussion there. Of course there are you know many other scientists that are now speaking out against evolution. The, um, I think I mentioned a little while ago that over um, a thousand scientists, all with doctorates in areas related to biology or geology, um, have now uh, signed a petition saying that they dissent from believing that Darwinian evolution can explain the origin of life. And again, if you uh, Google dissent from Darwinism, those uh, websites will come up. In my view, um, the fact that we're not recognising intelligent design in nature is hindering the uh, development of science. It's hindering scientific research. Some people say, and I know, you know, the Science Guy uh, program in the um, United States, you know, saying, you know, if we teach evolution, it's going, uh, if we teach creation, it's going to dumb people down. Well, I think you know, the, the evidence is quite the opposite of that. We already have journals of science that are looking 
at uh, nature and looking to develop scientific devices, machines and compounds that actually mimic nature. Just reading an article uh, just uh, recently about uh, you know the octopus. Now, you know o- octopuses have the if they have a limb cut off, one of their tentacles cut off, they have the ability to regrow that tentacle back to the original size. It grows back just pretty well identical to the original tentacle, the same length, same size, and everything, and. This ability to regenerate lost tissue organs and other appendages has has attracted much research interest with huge medical ramifications for ourselves. And the, the fascinating thing is that the biochemistry of how the octopus does that is still a mystery. It's still being studied. They know that there's a cascade of chemical signals uh, that is involved in orchestrating uh, multiple specific biochemical steps. And these, for example, trigger the key uh, control and arrival of a mass of stem cells and blood vessels to the injury site and their subsequent mobilisation. Scientists are really trying to study this mechanism because if we could understand this, the potential is huge that when somebody has a limb accidentally uh, severed or uh, parts of uh, organs again have to be cut out because of cancer, how we could grow them again. And again, as scientists are looking at this really complex biochemistry in an animal like an octopus that they claim developed very early on in the evolutionary process, you know, millions of years in the in the fossil record. And, of course, we have nautiluses, and they may have been able to do the same. We don't know. And they're back right down at the bottom of the fossil record. Um, and the biochemistry is so complex that teams of scientists are still trying to figure it out. And yet the people that believe in evolution are saying, this amazing system just arose by chance. And yet the chemistry is so complex and interconnected and interlinked. And when we look at how chemistry works, how science works, how the chemical reactions works, and you understand the complexity of that, you can it's so easy to see that it's absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible for it to have occurred by chance. And it's very specific and unique in this uh, particular uh, octopus animal. It's it's its chemistry is is very unique, and yet if we study this, if we believe in a creator designer, and we begin to look for purpose, and I th- uh, we would begin to look at these chemical reactions, understand and look and understand nature more. I believe we would advance science much more rapidly. I think. Um, what David Galenta has uh, come out and pointed out to us is, is so important that there's a lot of opposition there and that opposition isn't based on open science. It's based on a fanatical religious belief in atheism that is, tried, that is spreading atheism and is trying to stop anyone raising the obvious and clear objection that atheism can't be true we have overwhelming evidence for a creator and a loving God creator of that, as the Bible reveals. Because this creator, if he can create us, surely he can communicate with our minds and give us the message that is we find in the Bible.
to remember to listen to these programs, you can Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au and click on the Listen button and the uh, Faith and Science and other programs will be there. Well, you've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 